It's been 30 minutes since you and your friend Rachel greeted each other and sat down at a table to talk. So far, the only words you've been able to squeeze into the conversation have been, so how are things with you? Rachel took that and ran with it, and she's been talking about herself ever since. Now, normally you wouldn't mind. It has been a few months since the two of you caught up, so you expect that there'd be much for her to fill you in on. But as she catches a second wind, you begin to reflect on your last few times together, and you realize that it always goes this way. She takes center stage while you watch, a captive audience, chiming in with the occasional, wow, and "Mm mm-hmm, and oh, really? Admittedly, you're a little torn. She's great in every other way. Funny, charming, and she has a way, ironically, of making you feel special whenever you two are together. But she rarely shows much of an interest in your life, and you're not quite sure how to take that. So what's a girl to do? In this week's episode of the Friend Forward podcast, I'm talking about ways to manage your relationship with a seemingly self-centered friend. By the end of the show, you'll know how to identify how self-centered tendencies sometimes impact our friendships, and also you'll get a three-step plan of action to take if you're ready for a change. I'm also going to give you a few quick hacks for when you're in a really long conversation with a friend and you need an escape. Now, I'm going to ask that you wait until the end of the episode, per usual, to get the homework that you need to put all this information into action. If you're ready to create a little more balance in a friendship that seems like nothing more than one ongoing monologue, then stay tuned because I'm here to help. This is Friend Forward, the podcast. And if you're having girl problems, I got you. I'm your host, Danielle Byer Jackson, a friendship coach, speaker, and author. And when it comes to the joys, complexities, and misconceptions surrounding female friendship, I am here to help you through it. Now, a little disclaimer before we start. I know the title of the episode, we say we're addressing the self-centered friend or the self-absorbed friend, and normally advise refraining from labeling our friends because it's so much more complicated than that, right? And I don't want to be reductive. So I know we'll often say, oh, you know, how do I deal with a a friend who's the jealous friend or the self-centered friend? But perhaps we all go through a season of being jealous or we have self-centered tendencies, but I hesitate in just like labeling us one thing because it's more complex than that. Um, But but we're doing this for the, the purpose of, of setting the stage for what we'll be talking about today to give you some context. So here are a few reasons why, you know, the self-centered uh, friend, uh, the one with those tendencies can, can be an issue. The first is because it messes with your confidence and security in the overall friendship. You begin to question her interest in an investment in your life. We want to know about the latest developments in our friend's lives. Sure. And the only way to know that is for her to communicate what's going on. Sure. But if she is constantly dominating the conversation, then you can't help but wonder if she shares an interest in in your heart, how you're doing, if she has an interest in knowing you better and supporting you. And deep down, you'll tell yourself, of course, she cares about me. But you find that you struggle to identify evidence that supports what you know, what you hope to be true. We want to be known. We want to be cared for. And sometimes the best way a person can demonstrate that is by asking questions, is by showing up for us, not just in our time of critical need. Hey, my car broke down. Can you pick me up on the side of the road? But if once she picks you up on the side of the road, she talks about herself the whole way home, then you're like, oh my gosh, like, can I get a little moment? So, you know, it's it's something that indirectly pops up as a result of a friend who has self-centered tendencies is an uncertainty about you about 
having equal weight in that friendship. The second thing that kind of pops up as a result of a friend who is um, self-centered, especially in her conversation, is that, and this sounds really basic, it's boring. Can can I just be basic for a second? No research-based support tip here, but it's boring. Listen, the only time I want to be a passive audience member is if I'm freaking watching a movie or attending a show, right? But with friends, we certainly want to hear about what's going on in their lives and it informs us of ways that we can support them better and love on them. But we want equal participation in the relationship. What's the point otherwise of being there? At the end of the day, for the most part in our friendships, we want that mutual uh, reciprocity. Um, Oftentimes when I do, you know, media interviews or, or things like that, the podcast host or the journalist will inevitably, will inevitably start by asking something about like, Danielle, how do you define a friend? How do we define a friend? And there's so much we can say there, right? But if we're talking like on the most basic factual level, it's a person that you know and share a mutual affection with. Those three things. You are known by them. It is mutual in various aspects and there is an affection or affinity for this other person if that's the case let's zero in on being known and being mutual you cannot know me if you don't ask about me if you are not prompting me for information or being observant of my life to gather data on who I am and what I need right? And then if you're always talking about yourself, it erases that mutual aspect of the definition of friendship. Because in order for us to be in relationship with one another, I have to be able to participate. If you don't get to do that, not only is it one-sided in that way, but it's just boring. I mean, how much pleasure can you derive from interactions with another person if you are required to sit and watch while they perform? And the third reason why this can be so tough is because sometimes we're simply not getting the support that we need. Like, it's just that simple. Maybe that friend, like I said earlier, will show up for us in times of of immediate distress and immediate, obvious, explicit need. But in terms of feeling supported in our lives, it can be hard sometimes if we feel like our role is to be a supporting actress in the movie that is her life. Then it might have us question in that moment the degree to which we have support in the relationship. So what do you do here? The first thing is try your best not to make assumptions about her character. Remember, we talked earlier in the episode about resisting labels, right? Because as as human beings, we're so much more complicated than that. So don't make assumptions about her character. If you are a member of our Friendship Elevated program, where we have a, a group coaching program, there's various video modules where I walk you through the five stages of adult friendship. And it also includes four personal coaching sessions with me. In module four, we talk about conflict and I walk us through the ladder of inference. And basically the concept is that we tend to observe something factual that takes place, then we assign meaning to it, and then that dictates our behavior and response, right? So if you see that she's dominating all the conversations, you're going to be tempted to make the assumption that she doesn't care about you. Um, that and, and that is an assumption that many people would deduct from that behavior. So, you know, you're not alone there. Uh, And then you might find yourself writing her off as, well, she's selfish, she's self-absorbed, she doesn't care. So you're going to try your best to resist making assumptions about her character. It's also possible that she's dominating conversations and making it about herself for a myriad of other reasons. Um, As I kind of learn more about conversation and, and the science of conversation, one, it could be that she's anxious. People who tend to dominate a conversation, sometimes it's a result of their anxiety. Sometimes they're socially inept and they don't pick up on the social cues that 
there's an imbalance and that it's not socially courteous to dominate a conversation. Um, it could be nervousness. She could be one of those people who has to process her thoughts through talking. I, I know that I'm that way. Um, and it also could be because it's a dynamic that you all have built. Sometimes we unintentionally contribute in developing an ecosystem of our friendship in which we are the audience member and she takes center stage. If that's what we have been signing up for for forever, then when do we start to blame her for the dynamic that we helped to co-write, right? So maybe she's just keeping up with something that has been the dynamic of your friendship since the very beginning. But at some point, you have to stop buying tickets to the show. So it's like, and I know this is a corny analogy, but it's like complaining that a theater is constantly showing the same film Yet here you are buying tickets to the show every week, right? At some point, you're signing up to participate in being the audience member. So what do we do to disrupt that is you have to address it. And I know for some of us, you're breaking into a sweat just with me saying that, right? Address the issue. But how does she know or have a chance to correct if you don't let her know? So Let's say, you know, the next time she's talking about herself, it's been like 25 minutes. When she catches a breath, you can say something to the effect of, okay, now I'm hearing what you're saying, but I want to tell you what's going on with me now, child. Like, girl, let me tell you what's happening with me, right? It can be playful. For some people, they're perceptive enough where that's all they need to get a mental cue of, oh, okay, right, right, right. I've been talking about me. It's your turn, right? For some people, they're perceptive enough where that's all that they need to turn the conversation back to you and integrate a little more balance. Once you do that, you're going to want to watch for her bringing it back to herself, right? And if she does that again, then maybe you need to upgrade the firmness in your address. Now you're addressing a pattern instead of one situation. So you'll say something to the effect of, listen, I love hearing about what you've got going on. You know that. But sometimes I want to share with you what's going on with my life because, you know, I want to get it out. I want to process it and I want to hear your perspective on it, get a little support. Okay. I think that sometimes when we think about conflict and addressing conflict, when we close our eyes and envision what that quote unquote confrontation looks like, it's tense. It's a formal address. It is awkward and serious. But especially if you have history with this friend, and especially if you're nipping it in the bud early, then you're allowed to infuse a little humor with it. And your message is still clear. It's still direct. But saying it as a matter of fact, hey, girl, you know, I love hearing about you, but sometimes I really want to share with you what's going on in my life. Like a two sentence concise address might be all she needs. I know that um, I became aware of this when a family member called me out on it. I got to say, I'm pretty good about this in, in my friendships. I'm hyper aware of there being balance and them feeling hurt. But in my family relationships, maybe not so much. So I'm not going to tell you who the person was, even though I know she doesn't listen to this show. So I'm probably safe. But I remember one time um, meeting with a family member and they told me that another family member had complained because whenever I come over, I launch into stories about my life and I never really ask about the other person's life. Now, can I, I'm just going to be honest. I, I'm going to be honest with you a little bit here. Um, I remember feeling instantly embarrassed because I'd like to think that I have the emotional intelligence and social awareness that I would not do what they were accusing me of doing. But once I, I paused for a second and reflected on the last couple exchanges, I had to realize yeah, okay, they're right. I guess I do come over to the house and start telling stories about my life. Now, the reason I do it, and I was defensive because I'm thinking, first of all, I'm a great storyteller and my stories are freaking entertaining. We all laugh about it. They ask me questions. So I had no, you know, signs or indications that it was a problem. But being called out made me more aware of dominating the conversation. And from that point on, I always made it a point to 
make sure it was balanced or that I even led by asking them about their lives. I was interested. I genuinely was interested, but I never paused to demonstrate that. And so sometimes it's just something we have to be aware of. I share that to say that sometimes it's not a lost cause. Sometimes friends don't know unless you give them that data. That inf- Now, after you do that, you have to observe. What does she do with that data? If she becomes indignant, like, wow, well, I can't believe you would say that to me or like, wow, oh, yeah, I guess I didn't know I was hogging the conversation or something to show that she's ruffled and bothered by it. That's one thing. If she begins to self-correct from there, if you notice that she's like, oh, my gosh, my bad, I didn't realize. And she falls into the habit, but she's trying to catch herself. She's making effort of, of trying to be better. And that's all we can ask, right? Sometimes we don't get it right on the first try. But if you bring this up and she either denies it or shows no signs of wanting to do better and every conversation thereafter shows no change, then you have a decision to make. Now, I'm not saying we jump to, you know, part three, which is to make a decision about the relationship. I'm not saying we jump into cutting people off. I get that question a lot. Well, should I cut her off or not? And we've talked about this on the show before. You have a range of options in between. You can either decide to reduce the amount of time together now that you know that she's not going to change the behavior. Maybe you cannot talk to her every week then. Maybe you can only talk to her one-on-one once a month and that's all that you can tolerate. Or you can kind of reduce the expectations that you have when you guys do interact. You stop being frustrated. And you just say, well, I know she's going to make this a little monologue. Let me let her get her little monologue out and then keep it moving. But if you can't do that, then yeah, you have to begin to think about what does this relationship mean to me? Because that's the degree to which you should be investing in problem solving for the friendship. If it means something to you and you're emotionally invested and you care about this person and you want to move forward, you just don't want to move forward with things the way they are right now, then you have to kind of make some decisions about what does the relationship mean to you? Is it something where you are going to kind of begrudgingly release it? Because it feels like you don't have a, an active role and you're convinced by this point that the person doesn't care. You have a decision to make, right? If you don't address it at all, then she never gets a chance to self-correct. You're going to find that you're complaining about it to everybody else except for her. We do that, right? You'll complain to your boyfriend about it and other friends and they're like, oh my God, well then just do something about it. Um, You'll find that you're making passive aggressive comments and hopes that she picks up on your cues, right? You endure the conversations with her, but you grow resentful and maybe now you find yourself dodging her calls and, and making excuses to hang out. All of that, doesn't that sound burdensome? and and like such a chore sometimes it's better to just address it and let the chips fall where they may and maybe it's awkward and maybe she doesn't take it well but those are the other things that you'll endure should you not address it so we have to get there now two quick little hacks if you find that you're in a conversation that's going along with this friend and really you can apply it to any other friend who's kind of going on and on one thing you can do is front load the conversation so if you know you're about to get into it with somebody who just talks forever you can say hey yeah yeah tell me about this weekend and what happened I will tell you I've got about 15 minutes before I have to go into this meeting um, but you know lay it on me what's going on that way when 15 minutes comes you can say all right oh I'm so sorry to interrupt but I, I gotta get to that meeting or I've got to go and pick the kids up okay now let me say don't lie you know be truthful but sometimes you're out is front-loading the conversation with hey I'm going to have to leave in 15 minutes you're giving them uh, a cutoff point that you are going to honor and that she almost can't blame you for because you told her up front the second thing you can do whenever you're caught up in a conversation with a friend who has self-centered tendencies and she's going on and on is to have a physical reset so whether you stop to go grab a drink or say hey let me go make a phone call really quick um, something disruptive in the conversation to physically leave when you return it almost gives you like a clean slate to start over again so you can either 
either come back and start, you know, talking about yourself or change the topic altogether or make an excuse to leave. Again, an excuse that is true. I never advocate for saying something that's not true. But integrating physical resets sometimes disrupts the flow of a, of a conversation that's turned into a monologue. Those are just two hacks I want to throw in there for those of you who are like, what do I do in the moment? There you go. As your new unofficial friendship coach, Here's your homework. Listen closely. I have homework for two parties here. If you're the person who is an audience member, I want you to look into the mirror. I know this sounds corny. And I want you to practice the statement that you're going to make to let this friend know that she's dominating the conversation and you want to bring it back to yourself. The reason I want you to practice is because in our minds, we know what we want to do. But when it happens, we start to respond physiologically, right? Sweaty palms, uh, racing heart, and we are stumbling over our words and we don't sound very confident. And the key to saying this disruption sentence when your friend is talking about herself is confidence. So to say, hey, you know I love hearing about what you've got going on, but sometimes I want to share with you what's happening in my life. You have to say that very smoothly. You have to look her in the eyes when you do it. And sometimes it's easier when you practice a little bit. Trust me, I know how corny that sounds. I would not be advising it if I didn't think it were effective. If you are the friend who tends to have some uh, self-centered tendencies, the next time you go into a conversation with a friend, I want you to write down three questions as a goal to ask her by the time the conversation's over. So if you can admit, I guess I do sometimes talk about myself, write down three questions before you hang out with your friend the next time that you're supposed to get together and make it a goal that you ask her those three questions by the time y'all are done. What this does is it acts as a reminder to you to return the conversation to your friend and to catch yourself when you've gone on too long. So this kind of turns the attention outward instead of inward and make sure that you are making a conscious effort to show your friend that you care because I know you do, but to make sure that you demonstrate that. Okay. Now, if this is something that you have an ongoing issue with is is having friends who tend to turn it to themselves and not being able to show up enough in your friendships, you know, we have three services to help you out. There's a one-on-one coaching session with me. We have a self-guided course for how to make friends as an adult so that you can make sure that you find friends from the very beginning who, um, who want to learn and to know more about you and they're going into the relationship seeking reciprocity and then of course there's our friendship elevated group coaching program that includes video modules to walk you through the five phases of adult friendship and it includes four personal coaching sessions with me you'll find all of this on our website betterfemalefriendships.com and until then you know that i'll be rooting for you always on your ongoing journey toward better female friendships until next time (music) 